Christ, you may be seated. Let's take the word of God together and turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6. Once again, Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're returning to this verse, verse 18. Can you turn me up a little bit, please? I can barely hear myself. Ephesians chapter 6. We've been looking at this book of Ephesians for quite some time, as you know. And uh, looking at this verse for a number of weeks, verse 18. And we started looking at the need of being sat together in heavenly places in the beginning of Ephesians, walking the way we should walk as believers, and then standing against the wiles of the devil. And that led us, of course, to putting on the armor of God. And we have completed, in many ways, that study of the armor of God. And we're coming, we've come to this last and final verse, which is a huge part of battling against Satan. Verse 18, praying always. We had a sermon about that. With all prayer, we had a sermon about that. All prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We had another sermon about that. And the last time, two weeks ago, we looked at the need of watching. Watching in prayer. And today, we come to this very important principle. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In this one verse, this one verse on prayer, I remind you, we find some of Christianity's basic principles for godly living. And they apply to Christianity as a whole, not just to prayer, but they are particularly applied to prayer in this verse. We read about the principle of praying without ceasing. We read about the principle of the Spirit-filled life. We read about the principle of watching. Remember two weeks ago, watching for we know not the day nor the hour where the Son of Man shall return. And now we come to this principle, the principle of perseverance. Now all of these principles, ideas, are basic elements for the Christian life. But they are applied here specifically in this verse to prayer. Praying without ceasing and praying in the Holy Ghost and watching unto prayer and praying with all perseverance. I remind you, by the way, all, every virtue in life finds its root in God. Every virtue. There is no virtue known to humanity. There is no morality known to humanity if there is no God. And all of those virtues virtues are perfectly displayed in Jesus Christ. Now, the unbeliever does not like to hear that, but it is a fact. Without God, there is no virtue. What is the basis of our morality? Where does our morality and virtue come from if there be no God? And the world, therefore, loves to borrow these beautiful virtues and apply them without God, to their lives. They recognize the goodness in some of these characteristics and some of these virtues. But I remind you that every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Every virtue, every ounce of morality comes from a good God. And this is one of those virtues that the world loves. It acknowledges to a degree anyways that we have to have perseverance. Everyone knows that this word represents one of life's most necessary characteristics. 
Everyone knows that this word, perseverance, is not optional. But it is a powerful necessity. You won't do anything without it. You'll never do anything without perseverance. We need it. Perseverance means to persist, to persist in a state, an enterprise, or an undertaking in spite of counter-influences, in spite of opposition, or in spite of discouragement. Persistence, no matter what. Persistence, no matter what. It means you continue, no matter what. Now, we are living, let's be honest, would you look here for a moment? We are living amongst a generation of quitters. It's the day of quitting, isn't it? We quit on church the first time somebody offends us. We quit on work. We quit on marriages, on relationships. We quit on dreams. We quit on everything imaginable because this is the generation of quitters because the scriptures tell us explicitly in the last days there's going to be an awful lot of falling away or quitting. But perseverance says I will not quit. Perseverance says I will continue. I will persist in spite of all danger. It's one of those old-fashioned virtues that we're in danger of losing today. Now let's have a little survey. How many of you had a father or mother that refused to let you quit, that made you finish what you started? Anybody have a parent like that? I, used, I couldn't stand it. If I, I was afraid to start anything as a child because I knew I'd have to finish it. I'd start this sport. And I'd say after about a couple of weeks, I don't think it's for me. Tough. You finish until the end of the season. You signed up, you finish. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And unfortunately, it's not a principle that is being used or taught to our children today. Perseverance. This is one of those principles that's needed for every aspect of life, especially for your faith. For your faith. Let's be honest. How many people have we met who have made a profession with their mouth? They've shot up like a weed. And they looked like they were going to be a great Christian. And now today they're nowhere to be found. No perseverance. We're told in the last days, I remind you, that there will be a falling away. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. We, we beseech you, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Would you look here for a moment? How many of you know, you believe that the day is at hand? Would you raise your hand? That means it's near. The return of the Savior is soon. He says, by the way, you ought to be ashamed of yourself if you don't believe it, because they believed it 2,000 years ago. And how much closer are we now? Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day sh shall not come except there come a falling away first. Do you hear that? In the last days there will be a falling away. Do we not see it today? Look around our cities in this land. 
Our cities are filled with empty church houses that once could not contain all the people who wanted to worship God. And now they're being turned into flats and gymnasiums and all sorts of other things, nightclubs, because nobody wants to go. There's a falling away. We read also in, in Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly or very clearly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here's what God is saying. In the last days, there'll be a great falling away. There'll be a great quitting. In the last days, some shall depart, means some shall quit. It is explicitly explained in the New Testament that the only true Christian is the one who doesn't quit. The one who perseveres. The one who continues. You might get knocked down. You might take one step forward and 16 backwards, but you get back up and keep moving forward. You persevere. You continue. Let me give you a little example. Jesus gave us one of those famous kingdom parables, the parable of the sower in the seed. Do you remember that one? The seed's the word of God and it falls on four different kinds of ground representing four different hearts or four different listeners. You'll find yourself today in one of these four. You'll find yourself today in one of these four grounds we read in God's Word. We're told this story in three different of the Gospel records. Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. The first ground is called the wayside. It's like a footpath. The seed falls on the footpath. You remember what happens? Here come the birds snatching up the seed. The Bible says that somebody who has a hard heart, the Word of God never enters in. It never makes an impact. It never makes a difference. It's like those who come to a meeting like this and all they can think about is their roast dinner or the football match this afternoon. They'd rather be a million other places than right here. That's you. You're, by the way, you don't even recognize. Most of those don't even recognize it. The second kind of ground is the stony ground listener or heart. The Bible says the seed falls into the ground, a little bit of soil on top, but stone underneath. It shoots up quickly. And everybody says, wow, look at that person. That's a swell Christian. They're going to be a great one. Maybe they last for a couple of weeks. Maybe they last for a couple of months. Maybe they'll go for a couple of years. But the Bible says they only dureth for a while. They endure for a while. Mark says they endure for a time. Luke says for a while they believe. But they end up being scorched by the sun. Things get difficult and they quit. The third ground is the thorny ground. The seed falls amongst thorns and the seed grows up with the thorns. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. And the Bible says it chokes out the word and they are unfruitful. That is also one that does not endure. But the good ground. We're told that the good ground is that ground where the seed falls and it brings forth fruit. And Luke gives us a little bit more insight about it. He says in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 15, listen to this verse. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Amen. 
you catch that? They hear the word. They bring forth fruit with patience. Literally, with endurance. They patiently, continually bring forth fruit. The evidence that you are indeed a child of the living God is that endurance, that continuing, that persevering. In fact, the word perseverance in its root is translated as continue in the New Testament ten times. Continue, 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 continue. Same word as persevere. Let me give you a few examples. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It didn't mean they showed up one Sunday and weren't to be found for the next 12. No, no, they continued in fellowship. They continued in doctrine. They continued in the word. They persevered. Do you know what our problem is today? We quit at the slightest thing. We give up at the slightest little thing. Acts chapter 2 verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord. Persevering daily with one accord. Acts 6 verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. Those apostles. Persevering in the word. Persevering in prayer. Romans 12 verse 12. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Persevere. 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 Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer. Three times, by the way, that word continue is found in the context of praying. We need perseverance today to endure persecution, to endure tribulation, 2 Thessalonians 1.4. We need perseverance to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Some people say, oh, I don't like the way he spoke to me. Are you a soldier? Are you a servant? Who cares how they talk to you? Who cares? You're a soldier. You're a servant. Not some mealy-mouthed little sissy. Endure hardness as a good soldier, we're told. We need perseverance to endure sound doctrine, the Scriptures say. Instead of being blown about by every wind of doctrine that comes along. We need perseverance to endure chastening. Nobody likes to get a, to get a slap. Nobody likes to be corrected. But sometimes if you be a child of the living God and you step out of line, he gives you an almighty divine slap. And sometimes we need it. And we need perseverance to endure it. By the way, if you're not a child of God and God chastens you, you hit the road. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this kind of a... I thought this was going to be easy. I thought this was going to be lovey-dovey. I thought this was going to be wonderful. You thought wrong. You thought wrong. We need to endure the chastening. We need to endure grief. Perseverance helps us to endure. And we need, in our context today, we need perseverance to pray. Look here for a second. Look this way. I'll be the first one to admit to you today. That one of the hardest things in the world, and it shouldn't be, but one of the hardest things in the world is to pray. And to pray without ceasing. Why is it so difficult? 
By the way, I don't feel too bad because otherwise the Lord would not have put so many times in his word to persevere in prayer if he didn't know we would be prone to quit praying. He knew it would be hard. And so over and over and over, he says, keep praying, continue in prayer, persevere in prayer. Because he knew it would be hard. And by the way, if you fail here, you fail in the rest. You remember, your prayer life is your Christian life. And if you fail to pray, to persevere in prayer, then you're going to fail in every other department of your Christian life. Luke chapter 18, turn there with me, please. Jesus gives a parable. And the Bible says he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So Jesus is about to give us a story, a parable, to help us to know we ought to always pray and not faint, not give up. Somebody once said, one of the old Puritans said, the key of interpretation hangs at the door. So before we ever even get into this parable, the key, the, the understanding of this parable, the the reason for this parable is found in verse number one. Jesus gives this parable so that we would learn that we ought to always pray and not to quit. Amen. I'm going to quote a verse now and quote it at the end. But we're told in the scriptures, let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You've got a choice today. You can faint and not reap. Or you can persevere. And reap. A promise of reaping. We're told in, in Luke chapter 18. Here's a parable. There was in a city a judge. Which feared not God. Neither regarded man. I wouldn't like to be under that judge. Would you? A judge who did not fear God. He did not believe in God. And he did not care what anybody, what anybody thought of him. That's the worst kind of judge imaginable. Jesus is telling a story. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying. Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now think for a moment. Think about this story. Here's a judge that doesn't believe in God, he doesn't care about men. He really cares only about himself. And here comes a little widow. She doesn't have a husband to stand up for her. She has nobody to go to bat for her. And she's been done wrong. And she goes to the judge knowing he doesn't believe in God and he doesn't even care about her. And she pleads her case. And the Bible says he wouldn't do anything about it. Because he didn't care. Get out of my way. I don't have time for you. I can imagine him saying. I have more important things to do. Out of my way. Why should I help you? But the Bible says she kept asking. She kept asking. She troubled him. When's the last time you troubled God with your prayers? She kept knocking. Probably at midnight she came to his house. Probably when he woke up in the morning, there she sat at his breakfast table with her request. Always waiting, always asking. And finally the judge got wise and he said, hold on a moment. This woman's not going to leave me alone. I'm going to give her what she wants to get her off my back. And God says, if an evil judge will do that because of perseverance in prayer, because of persistence, how much more will a good God in heaven, a good judge who is your father, how much more shall not God avenge his own elect, his own children, 
which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now here's the lesson. If an unjust, wicked man would give a woman what she wants just to get her off of his back because she was persistent, how much more will your God in heaven answer you if you persevere in prayer? You know why we don't have too many prayers answered today? Because we quit. We give up. He doesn't answer our prayer when we want him to answer, so we just quit. We throw in, we throw in the towel. We wave the white flag of surrender and say, I quit. I'm not praying anymore because it doesn't do anything. My friend, you've missed it. You've missed it. The natural tendency in prayer is to faint, to quit. Now let me give you another interesting observation. Look at the beginning of this chapter. It follows after chapter 17. And chapter 17 is a chapter that deals with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Chapter 17 deals with, you, you know the famous portion of Scripture, verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat and drink, they married wives, they were given in marriage unto the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. Even so, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The context of this parable about praying and praying and persevering is the context of the second coming of Jesus. Because Jesus knew that as we got closer and closer to the end of all things, we would begin to quit. There'd be a temptation to give up. Where is the promise of His coming? There'd be a temptation. It's a prophecy that in the last days, people are falling away. They're quitting. And so we're told, in these days, you need to persevere more. You've been hurt. You've been broken. Keep pressing on. In fact, the last verse of that little parable, Jesus says, I will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, listen to these words. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Would you look here? Do you know what the single greatest evidence of faith is? Perseverance in prayer. The single greatest evidence of your faith is that you keep talking to God. Because you don't talk to somebody that you don't believe. You don't talk to somebody you don't believe in and you don't keep asking somebody if you don't believe that he's going to answer. The single greatest evidence of faith is your perseverance in prayer. Well, I, look, I'm going out every day on the doors. I'm passing out literature. Right, good, good, good. But are you praying? Jehovah Witness go out on the doors every day. Muslims are out in the city center with their leaflets every day. Don't think that because you persevere in some good activity that that's evidence of your faith. The evidence of your faith is your perseverance in prayer. You keep praying. By the way, it's very easy to start praying. It's very difficult to continue, isn't it? 
I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to pray every morning. I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock every morning. I'm going to give an hour to prayer. And the first night goes, and you get it. Feel good the next day. Second night comes, you got it. Feeling a little bit rough the next day. Third night, you sleep through your alarm. You get up at half three. You get maybe 30 minutes in. And before you know it, you've forgotten all about it. Because it's easy to start it. It's another thing to continue. Continue. We mustn't give up in prayer. I want you to look at one more parable. Luke chapter 11, if you turn there with me, please. Sometimes trouble or distress makes you start praying. Let's be honest. Some people, maybe the only reason they're here today is because something bad happened. And that got them thinking about God and that got them to realize, hold on, i got to get myself right with God because I've got a lot of problems. And they've started because something bad happened. That's good, but will you continue? Will you continue? Trouble or difficulty sometimes start us praying or starts us seeking God. But are you going to continue? You see, we're prone to say it's no use. No good me praying. God's not listening. Nothing's happening anyways. And we quit. Have you ever had the urge to quit praying? Have you ever had the urge to shorten your prayers? The temptation to speed them up so you can get them out of the way. You ever had that temptation? Would you look here? You can be sure that's a temptation from hell. You can be sure that's an attack from Satan himself. Because he knows the greatest weapon you have is the weapon of prayer. Luke chapter 11, look at it with me please. We're given another little parable. It's in the midst of this chapter of prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the first four verses. Chapter 5, this little parable, and then the instructions and commands and promises to pray from verse 9 to 13. But look at verse 5. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Here's the story. There's a man who has a friend. And this man is at midnight has a visitor that comes along to visit him. And he's got nothing to give his friend, his visitor. So he goes to his friend's house at midnight because he's his friend, by the way, and he knows he can go to his friend at any time. How many of you know you've got a friend who says that to you? Anytime you need me, you call me. You have a friend like that? Some of you have said that to me. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, you call me anytime. It's a different thing when the knock comes at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so here comes a friend to his, to his friend's house at midnight before the days of electricity, and he knocks on his friend's door and he says, give me some bread, I've got a visitor, I've got nothing to give him. And the man says, Go away. I'm in bed and my children are in bed with me. Now, I know exactly what that's like. I've got children in my bed with me every night. And I understand that. I don't want to move because if I move, they're going to wake up and it's going to cause me all sorts of trouble. I'm going to have a hard time getting back to sleep. But the Bible says, though the man won't get out of bed and give him bread because they're friends, he will do it because the man keeps knocking. Because the man shamelessly 
without embarrassment, without shame, keeps knocking and says, look, you're the only one I can go to. You're the only one that has what I need. And so he keeps knocking, and therefore the man finally gets out of bed and gives it to him. That's the way God is with us. He's not in bed sleeping. That's the only difference. He's waiting. Waiting to give and give generously. Waiting to provide, my God shall supply all thy needs according to his riches and glory. He's ready to give. The trouble is we're embarrassed to ask sometimes. We're ashamed to keep knocking. We ask once and we say, well, God heard me one time. One time's enough. Keep knocking. Keep asking. What do children do? If they want something, what do they do? They give up after one time. Sometimes Titus frustrates me that much. He asks me about 47 times the same thing until finally I say, Titus, that's enough. But he's learned a little trick. I like to think he learned it from the Bible, but I don't know if he did. He learned a little trick that if you ask and ask and ask and ask, you shall receive. In fact, that's what comes next. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be open. If a son ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? If he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If my son asks me for something that he wants, am I going to give him something that hurts him? No way. Am I going to be cruel to him? No way. If you, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Ask. Ask. Persevere in prayer. And I'm not talking about some little written out prayer that you borrowed from somebody else. I'm sorry. That might be helpful. I sometimes read Puritan prayers. Somebody gave me a copy of the Valley of Vision many years ago, and I've got a recent copy of it, and that, that helps me to pray. I look at the prayers that have been prayed. I've got a book called Spurgeon in Prayer, and I read some of his prayers from the Metropolitan Tabernacle, and it moves me, inspires me. But God is not interested in me reading somebody else's prayer. He's interested in me talking to him. Talk to God. Persevere in prayer. And this last point that is found in the armor of God is that we, with all perseverance would pray don't you give up keep praying but I prayed for 30 years some people we read testimonies of people who prayed for 30 40 years for someone to be saved and then after the passing of the one who was praying we hear of that person coming to faith in Christ don't give up the mark the mark the sign that you belong to God is that you continue Continue. Now look this way. I'm finished. We're going to pray. How many of you have ever, let's, let's be honest. How many of you have ever just felt like quitting in your Christian life? Would you raise your hand? I've been there. I've been there. But the mark that you belong to the Lord is that you don't. You keep on. You press on. I don't mean for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. I mean until Jesus comes back, until you see his face, until you run into his arms. Don't quit. 
Don't stop. And the best place to begin is your perseverance in prayer. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father, we admit this morning that we are prone to quit. The temptation sometimes is so strong to just give up and give in and go back to the world and go back to nominal living. But I pray this morning something from thy word would reignite that flame in our heart. And we would desire to continue, to persevere. Help us not to grow weary in well-doing. Help us to believe that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I pray, Father, that we might persevere, especially in this place of prayer. Oh, Lord, may our communion and communication with thee grow deeper and deeper and fuller and fuller. And may we not just talk to thee, but may we learn to listen to thee. May we learn to be led by thee. May we ask as the Savior instructed us for thy spirit to guide us and lead us and fill us for the work that is lying in front of us. Oh, Lord, help us to continue to persevere, to endure, that we may be of some use and that when the Son of Man, when the Savior returns, that he would indeed find faith in this world. We'd find it amongst this band of brethren here today. Help us, we pray. We give ourselves to thee and ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.